Let's um, bow our heads. Dear Father, I pray that you'll be with the children on this campus and in our families that are represented here. I thank you, Lord, that we have children that we have been blessed with. I pray that you'll be with parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, Sabbath school people, child care people that attend to the needs of the children. And dear Father, there's probably never been a more difficult time in our universe right now than to raise children than it is right now. And there are many people with hurts and many children that are um, feeling uh, socially unaccepted. And I pray that you will help us to minister to their needs whenever we notice that. We thank you, Lord, that you um, felt all of these things and yet you still died for us and still wanted us to be in your kingdom. In your holy name, amen. amen. So I'm just going to say that my title, a little, my little subtitle is Popularity, Is It Really a Blessing? So I'm going to tell you about Victoria. Victoria was nine years old. Her friends say that she's weird. You ever had kids name call and label? She seems a little uncomfortable, and when they are talking in a group, she comes up and she gets right in the middle of the conversation, and they kind of give her that look. Sometimes she says funny things, but it's not at the time that she should say them. It's like after the time, and so they think that's really weird. She doesn't seem to listen. Her listening skills seem to be really bad. Sometimes she talks over them, and sometimes she talks at the wrong time. And when they say something to her, she usually cuts them off. And behind her back, they've complained to even the teachers that Victoria is a show-off and that Victoria is a... Um, they, they say that she's kind of arrogant and difficult and they make fun of her behind her back. None of the kids wanted to camp with her at Pathfinders. She sits alone at lunch at her school, and she seems to have no one to play with, and it's rather painful to watch. Her mother says that she herself had problems when she was growing up, and she is very distraught over this problem. And she cries because she says that they're treating her daughter the same way they treated her. Because really, deep down, everybody wants their kid to be what? Popular and liked, right? We go, oh, I just want them to be healthy, right? But the truth is, we want them to be accepted by their peers. And when our kids are unhappy, we're unhappy, right? There's a lot of fathers that are doing a lot of um, the care of their children, too, especially divorced fathers, and they also recognize that there are lots of issues going on sometimes with their kids. Popularity. So what do you think could be going on with this child? Any ideas? Why is she so different? Any diagnoses? She may have a processing problem where her brain does things differently, doesn't mean that it's wrong, but she is different, right? And what happens in this age group of um, kids who are like 6 to 10? If you're different, what happens? You're supposed to be all the same, right? So when something is different, you really stick out. So she could have a processing problem. What else could she have a problem with? Where's my little diagnosers? Oh, I was thinking she could be shy, but she's making... Could be... Let, let me say that it could be not major. It could be that she's just shy. And she's so fearful about doing good that she just doesn't relate that well because she's just so introverted or whatever. But she still really wants a friend or else she wouldn't be hanging out. So, okay, I didn't mean to interrupt you, except that I wanted to grab that because it may not be something major. It could be something minor. So anything else you were saying? Could it be just shy, or were you about on your way to say something else? Oh, I was saying that uh, maybe she was overcompensating. She's trying so hard that it's just, you know. See, that would be that processing thing. It's just, you know how some people are like crockpots, and they take a long time to warm up, and then there's people that are microwaves, and they shoot things out, and they're very impulsive. 
Okay? So she could be a microwave, and then by the time she came up with a joke to share, it was after the fact, and they'd already laughed, and then they laughed at her, right? Okay? Any other concerns that it could be? Immature, actually, yeah. Um, she said she could be immature. Some children are, you know, get older and mature at different rates than other people. And so it doesn't mean that that's wrong, right? Some kids hit puberty at different ages. That doesn't mean it's wrong. They're going to hit it eventually, but they just do it differently. Sometimes you don't really know somebody's background. It could be that she's been socially deprived or ignored or or there's been some abuse, or she's had really unstable family situations where she's been going back and forth between grandmother or aunt or uncle or whatever, and so she just hasn't gotten the skills that she needs. Apparently her mom never learned how to deal with it either because she had the same thing. She's worried about it, yet she's not giving her any tools to... That was a very good thing. And how did you know all that? That's very good. She said, he said that... Um, Evidently, her mom had this issue, too. So it could be some kind of a genetic medical issue or neurological issue. It could be that mom is paralyzed because she went through it, and so she doesn't know what to do, and she just is overwhelmed by it, and so she doesn't get progressive and do anything about it. I like that this is getting good. Anything else? I can think of some really common things that we might say that she might have. Attention deficit disorder. What do you know about that? Anybody know anything about it? Kids who have hard times paying attention, focusing, have problems with time, getting places on time, have, play, have problems with organizational skills. By the way, they're really bright. Attention deficit disorder, they usually test out very high in intelligence. It's just that their processing is so fast and so speedy, they don't always catch everything. Okay? I think with the attention deficit disorder, I know I would be, if I were tested for it, I would have it, but <laughs> I don't really believe that there's such a thing as attention deficit mm -hmm. disorder because everybody can pay attention to what they're interested in. So if you took that same group of kids that thrive in a classroom environment where you read and regurgitate, Mm -hmm. and you put them in a hands-on thing, they would have attention deficit disorder. Well, you know how many kids can play video I, games? I hear your, I hear your, uh, <laughs> your, um, your opinion, but many of the attention deficit kids can hyper-focus on certain things, but not on other things. And we didn't have an issue when the kids were on farms and they were milking the cows and they were exhausted before they went to school. They didn't have a problem sitting still. But in this day and age, we want them to sit still. We've taken PE away and music away, and they're supposed to sit in their seat, and they're supposed to concentrate on everything that you do. I'm like, and we're not doing very well, but guess what? In Asian countries, they do, whether they have ADD or not. They're like, their parents are so serious about it, they better be studying when they get home, too. And our universities are showing that those are the ones who are getting accepted in many of our universities. So I'm just like, there are all kinds of things that are going on, isn't there? Um, had, has anyone heard of autism? There are more and more autistic children, and they're at different levels. There's the ones who do not function hardly at all, can't talk. And then there's also the Asperger's, which is a high-functioning autism. And they don't process things. So if I heard that your great-grandmother from Greenland died, and you said to me, you know, my grandmother from Greenland died, I might just pass you up and go and do something. But I would know as a person without Asperger's that I should say, oh, I'm so sorry, and then I should pass you. So they don't process things. They don't always show the right facial gestures at the right time. And there are people who work with people who have some of those diagnoses, and they have been teaching them social skills and how to react well. If you... Um, there was a young girl that used to drive me crazy. She loved to come see my daughter, and we would go shopping. Well, you would think that she would be with my daughter, but you know what she did? She'd hang on me. Hi, Mrs. Naaman. And I'm like, um, I'm not sure I can walk to the next rack in the store with you hanging. Oh, okay. And then I'd go to the next rack, and she'd hang on me again. Well, 
that is indicative. Again, you can't just say that one thing is indicative, but I know that she tested out for ADD later. Is, is an ADD thing, you know how we have a circle around us? What happens when I get really close to you? And they go, hi, how you doing? D don't you feel kind of, yep. It's like we have this circle around us and ADD kids don't know about that circle, neither do Asperger's. Because if they get too close to us, we start to push away. And I felt so frustrated with her. I'm sure she thought I was angry at her all the time and maybe that's why she kept hovering over me. But I wasn't aware that she just didn't have that understanding of space around us. And so many times if we're not learned in these areas, we just give these kids this, we're aggravated with them and they get this burden on their shoulder that they're really, chip on their shoulder, that they're really upset. So we have to recognize that there are kids with diagnoses that, that will put them in a situation where they will be more annoying and more difficult um, trying to get along with their friends. And is it painful for them? Absolutely. Do they feel betrayed or disliked or unpopular? Absolutely. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. So they asked kids who were younger, um, I think that they were between eight and 12, what do you want most? And then they boiled it down. They said they want to what? Be accepted. They also want to? Be and they want to be treated as competent. How do we give a child the feeling that they're not accepted? What would a parent do to make them not feel accepted? Something they might say. Scolding. What's wrong with you? If, are you an idiot? You heard some of those things at Myers or Walmart? It breaks your heart, doesn't it? I actually heard a mother say, I'm going to beat you till you're bloody. Like, whoa! And it was because the kid dropped something in the cart. I don't know. So I'm just like, sometimes the way that people are so harsh with them gives them the feeling that they're not loved or accepted. Um, to belong. What would belonging mean? Where, would, where could kids have a feeling that they're not belonging? At school and in the family. Um, what's going on in, in America these days that is making a child not feel, or let me see, say even a teen, making a teen not feel like they belong? Can you think of some family situations? Both parents are working, and when we get ignored, well, you know, I'm, like, do parents have to work? This isn't about guilt. Mm -hmm. There are parents who work, but they are also very nurturing to their children, and they put them in good care, and um, so they're, you know, treated well. But there are the parents who go to work, and then they come home, they're on the computer, and they really don't spend the time with the kids. Or the kids want to do some things, like maybe they want to play hockey, but they never have, their parents are always like, they can't go because they're tired and they're not going to do it. Or they want to get to Sabbath school and it's really important. Um, I just, somebody was just commenting on how their kids love to run to the department here at camp meeting because they can't wait to go there. So what if mom wasn't even bringing them here and they were so excited about it? Like they don't always support the good things that their kids are doing. Um, I think about, I had a young man who came in for counseling and his mother died of a brain tumor. And his father was really too busy for him. And then, so he spent a lot of time as a latchkey kid. And enter a stepmother. Well, it was a positive stepmother. It was somebody that really cared and that he could talk to. He loved to talk things over with her. And she died of cancer. So then he said, you know, now I'm in college. And he said... They don't ever mention, like, am I supposed to come home for the holidays? My dad's got a new girlfriend. He said, they don't mention, am I supposed to come home for the holidays? They don't say we're looking forward to you. He says, so I don't really know. Should I stay at the dorm or whatever? And then he says, when I come, I have laundry. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be using their washing machine because, you know, maybe she thinks I'm using up the water. Like, he just had that feeling. Now, you just saw Carlo, right? That's my adopted son. Um, there was a point in our life where um, we had been having Carlo over and he kept calling me mother and I told him no, he had to call me mother friend. Oh, I'm so ashamed now. But anyway, and 
I, I was working with a, somebody in counseling and they just said, you know, I always was the adopted child. They never called me their daughter or their son. They always said I'm their adopted child. And other people have said to me, you know, my, my father got remarried, so when I go over there, I don't know where I should really sit because, like, I don't know what to do. Or, like, you know, because his, his new family's over here, and, like, do I sit on the floor? And, like, you know what? Never good enough. That feeling, never good enough. And then somebody else told me, well, I'm always the half-sister. I'm not just the sister. I'm always the stepchild. Anybody relate to any of this kind of stuff? And I thought, you know, I'm doing that to Carlo, too, because I'm telling him to call me mother friend. My daughter came over, and she kept saying mother, and Carlo kept saying mother friend. And then I said to Carlo, if you ever want to call me mother, I don't want to replace your mother. He doesn't have a mother. I said, but if you want to call me mother, you can. He said, okay, mother. So he's, he's my, my boy. And um, my husband, you know, he's a little bit quieter and more subdued. Anybody know my husband? And he's like, whoa, this is really heavy, you know, we're, we're not young. I'm like, I understand, don't laugh like Sarah. Yeah, or Rebecca, you better be watching out. So anyway, he, Carlo called me one time, and he, he was in England doing a commercial, and he said, do you know, your husband just texted me, happy birthday, son? And I went... <laughs> Really? You did that? I said, well, what did you say? And he said, I said, thanks, Dad. <laughs> anyway, so he is one of us now. So that's really special. But we want our kids to feel like they belong, don't they? And we need to be a fair. We have people who say that there's favorites in a classroom or favorites in their Sabbath school class or kids that get to do this and kids that don't get to do that. There's parents who are good to the girls but not good to the boys, or parents that are good to the boys and not to the girls. Like, we want to make sure that we're trying to be as fair as we can whenever possible so that they feel like they belong. Um, if children feel left out, they often will try to make up for it in some other area by being annoying. You ever seen a cat, kid that wants a, attention? They're really annoying and they talk constantly, mile a minute, right? Um, we also need to accept that we have children with differences and that not all of them are cut out of the same grain. Would that be true? I knew a family that had eight children and everyone had different colors of hair or different types of hair. Isn't that interesting? And I would assume that personalities were the same way. How many of you have more than one child and they are completely different? Okay, that's very common. So we need to accept our children and not compare them to their siblings. Have you ever heard of that? Why don't you do as well as your brother? How come you don't bring me a report card home like your sister? Look at your sister cleans her room. You know, your brother would never leave this mess. Like, we need to talk about them individually. We also need to recognize that not everyone is a born leader. Would that be true? Amen. Parents are really concerned about popularity, even with preschoolers. Did you know that? Some of the parents will come in regarding that um, for counseling. And it's unrealistic, and it's a lot of stress on your child. Preschoolers, they were talking about it in a book that I was reading, and I'll probably give you some of those sources in a little while. Preschoolers say that they don't care about being popular. They just want a friend. Isn't that true? They want somebody to play with. I always think about, should I tell some of these stories or not, but I'll, I'll keep on. Kids have a better chance of developing their own social skills if the parents don't have rigid expectations. Sometimes parents will constantly lecture them and tell them how to do things, and then they become more resistant. But it would be almost better if they saw a good behavior and they complimented it. So give me some compliments that you could say to a child in their developing years about their behavior that's positive. What would you say? If they're around other kids, what might you pick out and compliment and praise them for? I'm sorry? It was nice of you to share your toys. That's better than going, did you share with Johnny? 
right? Like there's an expectation. What else? What was that? Showing sympathy and empathy is a really big skill that we need to teach. Absolutely. Uh, teaching them the warmth for animals, um, for older adults, uh, people that are vulnerable, handicapped people. Very important. Anything else that you can think of that would be really nice? Okay. I noticed that you kept your hands off their items, and that was really good. I, I know it must have been really tempting to touch those things. Yeah. Sometimes parents have a really hard time finding something to compliment because they got a kid that's really out of control. So one of the things you might just say to them is, I noticed that you were quietly working on something without interrupting or whatever. Just whatever you can do that's basic, really good. Now what if you say, you're such a good kid. What a good kid. You're so sweet. Guess what? When we start to act like that, the kids start to ignore us after a while. So we don't want to go over the top. You just want to be serious about it. What about parents who get overly upset over things? Do you think, what, what can happen with children then? They stop trying. They get discouraged. They get angry. And guess what? You've now set them up to get angry with their children, too. So everything that we do is a training ground for the future, right? What legacy do you want your children to have? Um, incorporating your spirituality into the things that you talk to the children about. There was somebody that I used to hang out with in college. She had a little girl, and she would constantly say, look at the stars didn't Jesus give us a beautiful sky tonight? Or look at that butterfly. Just think Jesus wanted that butterfly to be seen by us, and that's why it came over here. And it was like the wonder of it all, the amazing. So we need to make sure that we incorporate our religion and our um, good feelings about God into our discussions. Um, when you see children treating other children appropriately, make sure you make a comment about it. Maybe not at that moment, but at least later, about something positive that they did. Sharing their cookie, picking their doll up, pushing somebody in the wagon that's younger and being gentle with them. Those are all really positive things. Here's some suggestions of what we can do to give your child a fighting chance. Now, Again, we said kids may not be popular, but kids can have good relationships with people and may not have to be popular, but they can be well-adjusted. And we want to give them the fighting chance. So by the way, I hope you're praying for that child. I hope you're praying with that child. Have you ever heard stories about uh, somebody recognizing that there was a family member that was praying for them aloud from their room? And they heard their, what they said, and it made such an impact on him or her. There are um, people who keep prayer journals. Anybody do that in here? Prayer journals? Okay. And sometimes they become family things that you hand down, and they can read about the prayers and the answers to prayer that somebody was watching them during their life. And I heard that mentioned at a baptism recently, that somebody who had been away from the Lord for a long time remembered their grandmother's prayer journal, and they, as they read it, they saw that the things that they thought they accomplished in their life by themselves was really after Granny had been praying for them on that. Isn't that a special legacy to get? A study showed that kids who were having problems but attended a group on how to listen better improved their status with their peers significantly. Well, adults do the same thing. If we're good listeners in adulthood, we sell better, we get along in our workplace better, and we get along in our relationships better. So I'm going to ask you, because I, I figure you've been eating and in a lot of groups, and you're probably getting a little tired, so I'm going to wake you up right now. What is good communication 101? We'll pretend like we have a class. What are some of the things that we should do when we're, we're listening to someone? I, oh, boy, that was the answer, right? Eye contact. Okay. Have you ever had people who are piercing eye contact? <laughs> and you're like, that's threatening too. Sometimes we have to like move away and then look back. Okay. 
But eye contact is really important. How many of you know your children aren't always listening, and what do you say to them? Look at me. What's this? Yeah. Yeah, you did this? Remember Vandeman? Was it Vandeman? He used to go, give me your eyes. I used to think that was so weird, and then when I raised a child, I'm like, that was a good one. Yeah. When our granddaughter was probably three, she was going to preschool, and she was having grandpa in her class at home, and he was watching something behind her, and she said, Grandpa, eyes on the teacher. Isn't that cute? Eyes on the teacher. Yeah, I know. They, they repeat things, don't they? I remember that I wasn't paying attention to my daughter. I was diverted with something. And she got the ears and the eyes mixed up, and she gets her, her eye right into my ear, and she goes, Mother, look at me. <laughs> I'm like, I think she got it a little mixed up. But anyway, I'm like, yeah, I was not paying attention. And just think about this generation. When we're on our technology, we are not paying attention. Doesn't it hurt you when you see that out there? Kids that are trying to get their parents' attention, and they're on the phone, and they're like, quiet, not right now, I'm busy. I'm like, and, um, somebody was telling me they went out with a couple for dinner. And the couple were both on their phones the entire time for the dinner. And then they thought that they were really frustrated because they had spent a lot of, time, of money and time to take this couple out that they were trying to befriend. And they said they looked around the restaurant and everybody at everybody, every table was on their phone too. We really need... <laughs> yeah, there's parents who tell me that they bring their kids to uh, games or recreation and they think they're going to listen to what the kids have to say so they can get to know their kids, but the kids are in the back seat texting their friends next to them because they don't want the mother to hear or the father. My three-year-old tends to uh, tell me when I'm doing my schoolwork that I'm a full-time online student. Oh. And he'll, he'll come over to me and he'll He'll tell me, Mama, you're not listening. Aww. And then I'm like, Cecil, I am listening. And he'll, he'll tell me, Mama, look at me. Yeah. No, <laughs> they, they do want our attention, right? There's, there's a point to where they go to school and they don't want our attention anymore, and it's heartbreaking, but there's a certain window where we can have a big influence, right? And that applies to adults, too, because... We took care of my father for several years before he passed away. But I had taken him to the doctor one time when the doctor was writing all this stuff on the computer. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he was asking my good questions. And dad just said, do I answer for him or what do I do? And finally the doctor turned around and looked at him and dad says, well, I was just waiting for you to look at me. That's cute. That's cute. More people ought to do that. Another listening 101. What else are we supposed to do? I'm sorry? Repeating back. Oh. Um, so your word was feedback? Repeat back. Got it. So what I heard you say is, have you noticed when somebody jumps to a conclusion about something you said or did and they didn't even ask you to clarify and they heard it from somebody else? We feel so upset. We really need to take a breath and repeat back, especially if you're in a relationship with someone, that's a really good thing to do. Less misunderstanding when you understand what really was said or done and not secondhand. What else? What about body? So your body is facing the person who's speaking. Speaking. Speaking is facing. Can you see I can't write and talk? Facing. Person speaking. I'm going to just say speaker. Which, by the way, in, at camp meeting, do we have a little problem with that? I had a Bible study here yesterday, and we were eating at the canteen, and I should have been looking at that person because I'm so happy that they're so happy to be here, and they want to be baptized sometime soon. And instead, I noticed that I'm watching all the people coming in for the canteen, and like, yes, yes, but I'm like looking to see who's coming in and who I'm going to see. Yeah, we have a hard time at camp meeting, don't we? We don't want to miss anybody. Okay, teach your children manners. What manners are very important to speak to our children about? What was that? Please and thank you. Don't people get pretty far with please and thank you? I think of 
a young man who was in my school and he came from a very abusive home, terribly abusive home. His father was an alcoholic. Sometimes he would have to hold him down so that he wouldn't hurt his mother. And he had all these brothers and sisters, but he had learned please and thank you. He became an academy principal. He's working at Southern now. I just think about that I think that his politeness took him far and his brothers and sisters didn't do as well. I don't know if that had something to do with it, but people were very warmed up towards him. I thought that was really special. What else would you want to tell your kids to do? Not to interrupt conversations. Not to interrupt conversations, to listen before you have to put in your word. And I've seen parents try that, haven't you? When you're talking to somebody and the kid's like, Mother, not, not right now, right? Yeah. Okay, so not interrupt. What else? willing to take turns. Take turns. Everything I learned was in kindergarten, right? Take turns. But specifically, um, like with preschoolers, they're so quick to want to have their turn. And we're so they're more impulsive. And we're so quick as parents to want them to have a turn, but I find that there's actually a real deeper lesson in not always left, like freaking out when they don't get a turn and helping them to talk through it. Yeah, that child, that child bumped you in the line. You didn't get a turn. How'd that make you feel? Yeah, but maybe that child doesn't know Jesus, so if you're asleep back, you get a chance to teach them about Jesus. It's a good lesson to learn, isn't it? Like when people grow up and they somebody cuts them off, rather than having to have a problem, they smile and think, oh, well, maybe they needed to be there faster than me. How do you feel about when they say, and you're a guest at a church, and they say, well, will the visitors go first? And so you're walking towards the table, and 15 people from the church are all in front of you. Do you feel angry? I'm just saying that, you know, the truth is that we need to learn to be kind. And do we think less of those people who push in? So, like, we need to learn these lessons because it makes us better adults, doesn't it? Actually, a, a person came in for counseling, and she went to a new church, and she said that, she, they had a um, picnic in the park, and they were brand new. They were the only ones that were visitors, and they said, oh, we have a potluck, so come on over. And she said, the people lined up like they were at a pig trough, and then when we got to the line, there was no food. And she said, we won't be going back to that church. And I thought, well, it's a good thing that didn't happen at an Adventist church. <laughs> Never does, does it? Yeah. Okay, I heard to be respectful. What does respectful mean? Be kind to people, especially people that are older than you. Anything else? One that we struggle with is when an older person will ask my child a question at church, just a general question or whatever. Giving them your full attention because they're interested in you. So give them your attention. That's that eye contact. Yes, give them your attention. Even though you may feel uncomfortable, I think about being a greeter. Any of you been a greeter at your church? And there are certain people that come in and they look you in the eye and they, they shake your hand. And they, but there are many people who look past you or look like you're, you know, didn't say anything. I, and it could be that they're shy or whatever, but you just feel unacknowledged. And children, if they haven't been taught, usually will act that way, right? We have to teach them. And are we less frustrated with children when they have appropriate social skills that way or have better manners? Yes. And you can imagine that it also works with their own kids, their, I'm sorry, their own age group. What about kids who um, cough, sneeze? Yep. If parents haven't taught them, people don't even want to be around them. So you can see that parents can make a big difference in how their kids are treated, no matter what kind of issues they are, if they have their basics down. So any other manners that you can think of that we need to not forget? I think it's important, too, as parents. It's easy to tell our kids these things and try to teach them. It's far more important to model it and do it, because the kids learn um. from our experience. So if, I, if they see me, or if they hear me telling them something, but then they see me doing the other thing, or I'm not doing this with them. Mm -hmm. I have a, a woman who tells me all the time about 
she can't get her kids to clean up in the kitchen after they use the kitchen because her husband doesn't clean up. And she can't force him to do it, but because he doesn't do it, they don't think that they have to do it. And that it causes a lot of upheaval in their, in their lives. And just like we are really, we seriously need to do our part, don't we? Lori, one that was always cute for me was my husband always opened the door for me, you know, and helped me on with my coat. When mm -hmm. my son got a little older, then he wanted to start doing it, so he kind of raised his Isn't that sweet? Who would open the door or put in my coat? Isn't that wonderful? Did you hear that? She said that her son, um, her husband was always being kind about opening the door and putting on her coat and that her son, you know, that must have made him feel a grown-up because he wanted to do the same thing for his mother. And actually our kids will often treat their parents the way that the parents treat each other. Have you heard that quote? The best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother, yes. So the way he treats his wife often will convey respect or not respect. And the same thing that she can, you know, there's women who can certainly belittle men in front of their children and they wonder why the kids don't want anything to do with their dad and they don't listen to him. We really need to be very careful about our relationships and how we treat people. All right, dressing people neatly and coordinated. That sounds so silly, doesn't it? But if children are not neat, often people don't treat them differently. Have you ever seen people who are in a suit and they and they are treated differently than those who are sloppy? Like, it is a bias for us to treat. So if you have kids that their clothing smells or their um, clothing is not clean or it's not well set out, like, we don't need to be rich to be neat and clean, right? And there was um, somebody who told me how the kids made terrible fun of them because their parents were smokers, so their clothes always smelled like stale smoke when they went to school, and the kids were like, oh, give them space. We don't want to smell that. It wasn't their fault, but they felt like they had been burdened by their parents' behavior. Monitor their social life. Do you think that um, when children go out the door, their parents should know where they're going? Yes. Do you think that they should know how long they're going for? Yes. Do you think that they should know who they're going with? Yes. Kids who are not cared for are the ones who are the biggest um, threat when it comes to sexual abuse. Did you know that? Kids that are left on playgrounds but not being supervised. Children who are run around the church without any supervision. Uh, I'm sorry to say that it happens in churches. Um, children who are allowed to run when their parents are in meetings or whatever. Those are the ones that people watch. If you are a pervert, <laughs> you watch for the most uncared for child and that is the one that you're going to target. So just know that you put them at great risk if you're not focused on their care. Um, another thing I think that parents, and it's not on here, is good sportsmanship. Have you had kids that have gotten really angry over a game? And when they, what do they do if they aren't doing very well with competition? Cry, throw a fit. When they cry, that's often seen as a weakness. I'm not saying that we can't cry, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But children who cry, and cry often because they're mad or they're upset or they don't think things are fair, are often the ones that get mistreated by other children. So very important to role model, do role plays, do all kinds of things to help them understand how they could deal with it in a different way. Um, are there tricky situations that come up for kids that we probably couldn't even write down? very important for parents to talk about options. Hand your kids tools so that when something comes up they can click and go, oh, that must be what my parent was talking about. It's a good thing. Uh, teach them to treat others as they wish to be treated. Um, girls, social bullying is what girls do. They don't invite everybody to the party. They only like two, I mean, the two girls like each other the best, and the other one is always out. They create clubs, and not everybody can get into it. So does that sound like any girls that you know? Yeah. What do boys do when they're bullying? Who said that, right? The only issue is that boys aren't as emotional, and when they're done, they're done, right? And, like, they go and play ball with them right after they're done. But the girls, what do they do? 
It burned into their brain, and they're still mad. My daughter, um, she was about 12, and something happened with some little boy here at camp meeting. He spit at her when she was six. And she said to me when she was 12, there is that boy that spit at me. And I'm like, well, maybe you can forgive him. Well, that made me dirty, and I didn't appreciate it. And I'm like, wow. Well, guess what? When they were in college together, they were best friends. So, you know, we have to help them with forgiving people, too, don't we? Yeah. So we also, um, what about secrets? Don't lots of girls love to have secrets? And what happens when another girl hears the secret? Right? And then they ostracize each other. You told? Yeah, they always tell, right? Yeah. So we also have to teach them how to be responsible and keep their promises. Unless somebody is being injured or is planning to hurt themselves, that's the secret that needs to be broken. And we certainly are in a climate where there are lots of suicidal things going on these days. We need to be very careful. Another thing we can do with our children who feel ostracized or not befriended is to make them compassionate towards new kids or kids that are disabled and make them nurture, nurturing of other people, right? And so that may become a good friend for them. Anybody have any other suggestions on that? How to make them more aware of other children? Okay. Um, sometimes they need to be a friend outside of school. Uh, there are Sabbath schools where kids are bullied. Did you know that? There are, um, I was really excited because my friend was bringing her son to do something with some other kids, and I said, how did it go? And she said, well, he felt like the odd kid out. Well, everybody had their buddies with them. It's really hard to break into that. That was a boy thing. It wasn't a girl. But I wanted it to be a wonderful first time that he was with all the kids. And so we, sometimes we have to prepare people. I think that I should have gone in and said, by the way, this young man's going to be new today. I'm hoping that the teachers will be aware of that and always include him and whatever. So make sure you're doing your work. When we are um, parents, have you ever noticed how parents want to act like their kids sometimes? You don't ever see that? Uh, somebody was telling me on, their, on the campground today, I was interviewing, remember, with my little phone about what they like about camp meeting. They said, yeah, we come from a state where, you know, you can hardly walk across campus without hearing all the drums from the youth and the teen departments. And I said, wow, that's really something. And she said, yeah, isn't that amazing? All those ministers, they're all so much older than the kids, but they are in there playing the drums. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so they're adapting to their behavior. It's not very cool if mommy comes to school in a miniskirt, right? Or if dad, you know, is uh, trying to say, remember those old words like groovy? What are they today? Whatever, or it's really fresh, or that's sweet. Like, what if you start saying, you know, they're like annoyed when you start to act like them. It's really nice to be a parent. We really don't want to be their friends. We really want to be their parents, so act like a parent. Because then when you have to tell them something that they're doing that's not right, you don't have to worry about wondering if they're not going to like you, right? Be involved in your, in your child's school. I've watched for years how sad it is. Um, what is it that Pathfinders do when they're having a, something on a yearly? That's it's their induction. I went to an induction one time, and there were no parents. That meant the parents all just dropped them off. What does that mean to a kid? Yeah, and when you're doing something good, why support them, right? And I don't know whether it's their Christmas program or when they, when they get special, um, I don't know, they're honored as an honor student or whatever. Like, shouldn't we be there to support them, even if we're just the church member, because they're doing something good and we want them to know how proud we are? So we really need to be involved in our children, and not just our own children. What about embarrassing or belittling our children in front of others. We really need to be careful on that. Um, when I was at college, I went home with somebody. I, my mom was always very considerate and kind and respectful of me as I was growing up. She didn't demean me or lecture me, but I went home with these girls, 
and their mother just would say the worst things to them. My stomach was in knots. I couldn't wait for the weekend to be there. I wondered how the girls could ever say anything to their mother at all because she was always telling them what they were doing wrong. And these were nice girls in college. Can you believe that? Yeah. Remember that Oroville Dam that almost broke? That's where we went was to Oroville. And I always thought, I wondered if that mother made that dam break because she was really uh, always mad. She was always mad and steamed up. And I thought that the whole house was going to shake when she was saying those things. But anyway. Um, but we need to be careful about what we say in front of other people, don't we? And I'll tell you, open mouth, insert foot, and then dry it off and put the next one in, right? We need to ask forgiveness. You ever, do, do you ever, what was that? Change my shoes, right? Dry my toes off because they're going to get some kind of problem. You ever say the wrong thing to the wrong person? How many times can you say you're sorry? Is, that, is it good? Yeah. Yes, I say to Carlo, I'm so sorry. And he'll go, are you really, mother? Oh, I'm like, well, sometimes I'm not thinking about it. I just want to say it, right? Yeah, but I have to be serious about saying I'm sorry and acknowledging what I've done. Don't label your kids to others. Have you ever seen kids who say, is my mother talking about me again? And what is she saying about me? There's kids that are so hurt by the things that they're said. Um, that are said to them. Fathers as well. Fathers can gab about their kids too, and, or they can call them a lot of names. But labels are very hurtful. Labels are like you're stuck and this is how you're going to be for the rest of your life. We need to give our kids hope. Like, so what? You messed up now doesn't mean that you're going to mess up in the future. This is a great thing for you to learn from, right? Um, I had a, a young person that came in that was kicked out of a school for something that was um, could have been construed as something really serious, but whatever. And um, she was crying and said, you know, her parents were upset and were mad at her and they, they, that she was embarrassing to them and they didn't want to bring her to church and all these other things. And then I said to her, I, I believe that you're really sorry for what you did. And she said, oh, yeah, I am. I wish I'd never done it. And I said, and don't let this, cons this thing consider your entire future. This was a bump on the road. And she said, really? And I said, yeah, you did it. You already learned from it. I bet you're never going to do that again. She said, well, absolutely not. And like that girl went out with some hope. And I'm like, isn't that how God treats us? Like he doesn't say, if I've told you a million times, you've, I don't know what's wrong with you. Are you an idiot? Like he doesn't ever say that. He says, you know, come to me. I will help you. I'll I have a future for you. We need to give kids hope. Don't dwell on their faults. Yeah, don't be mad if they're playing with kids younger than themselves. By the way, uh, attention deficit, autistic or whatever, they say that the average playmate for them is usually three years younger. That may be the only one they feel accepted by because their maturity level isn't so high. So we need to not make them feel uncomfortable with that. Um, teach them what you share will be shared with others. Oh, watch out. Okay, we already talked about that. Stand up for yourself and others. How, if you see a bullying situation and you're um, maybe 13, how many of those kids will stand up for the kid that's being bullied? Do you know in the statistics? What, what would you guess? 90% um, will not stand up for them. Because why? Why would you think? They're afraid that they're going to tease them. What else? That they might get bullied too. It's not cool. You want to align yourself with the people that are somewhat scary that you want to, you know, you want to get their respect, so you just don't want to do that. We need to let kids role play at home how they're going to stand up for other kids. And when we teach them that, guess what? No teacher or parent can stop bullying as well as a kid that's their age. In fact, when a kid their age stands up to a bully, they said that there is like a 80% chance that it will not occur again. So I think that's amazing. Um, hygiene, very important. Kids their hygiene. I was listening in the showers today. <laughs> it was so funny. 
So you went in there and just turned on the water. Do you think that that was a shower? No, you're going to come back in here. No, I don't want a shower. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm so, I was so happy I got out of my RV and into those bathrooms and I could have real water, you know, that was warm. And I'm thinking, I'm enjoying this. But was there ever a time when I didn't want a shower? There must have been, huh? And I guess when you get Alzheimer's, you don't want to have a shower either. I just don't, I'm not in that stage yet. I'm still enjoying it. But yeah. <laughs> and there's, you know, there are people who say, don't be nice when you don't feel nice. Maybe you feel like slapping your kid, but aren't you glad when you don't? Like, let's do what we need to do. Use your brain, not your, not your heart or your feelings. And I always say, I bet you didn't feel like brushing your teeth today. And they're going, you know, kids are going, nope. And I'm like, but I'm glad you did before you came to visit me. And so there's just things that we have to do, even though we don't want to, because it makes everybody happier around us. And they're all like, yeah, okay. So anyhow, we want to make sure that we give them every chance to be um, treated well when they get to school. Have your child include others. We've talked about that. Invite a child home for an afternoon. Sabbath walks, help your child make memories by planning um, parties, outings, recreational time. Like when they have a friend, let's say that they're having a hard time in their school or in their Sabbath school class. If they can have someone outside, you can say, I, I know that that was really a hard situation, but at least you've got, you know, your friend John over here and he's going to be playing with you tomorrow. And like you have to divert them from that to this other situation. Help them practice handling typical problems by the way a lot of you are taking notes and I'm happy to give you my PowerPoint so that you can have it yourself I will be happy to email it to you um, let me put my email here again aol.com I'll just say what lecture it is and I'll be happy to send it to you get help for your child if they have an emotional problem how often do kids have emotional problems these days have we, are we in the last days? Are we increasing in problems? Do we have ozone problems? Do we have um, preservative problems? Do we have food problems? Do we have all kinds of things going on in this generation? We don't even know what's causing it. We have genetic problems. We have, remember they said unto every generation there's more, like as we get closer, Closer to the end of time, we're having more and more problems. How do you know if a child is depressed? Signs and symptoms a child is depressed. Change in, Change in behavior. could be that they start to get very difficult to deal with, very um, angry, irritable, mood swings, right? What else? Quiet and withdrawn. They don't talk. And maybe that at one time they were friendly, but you start to see them like, just like drawing within, right? What else? Changing attitude. Changing attitude. Appetite. Appetite. Eating too much, eating too little. Anybody else out there? What happens with? They cry. Yeah, they cry more often. They could be anxious. Any, anybody know what an anxiety attack looks like? Okay, they can't breathe. They, they, are, they get all upset. So those are all things that you really need to look at. Should, do you think that some of those things just will go away on their own? Many times they can get worse. What could happen if they get really bad? It could result in what? Suicide. Suicide is one. It can be a branch of two. What else could happen? If they're long enough, they can become psychotic, which we hear nervous breakdown. And if they have... Um, there are children that would come in to see the psychiatrist that I worked with for many years, and um, they just suddenly had a psychotic episode. But in talking to them, they'd been getting depressed for many years or many months, and no one was picking up on it, and then they had that problem. So we need to be really aware that they need help. 10% of all children and adolescents suffer from depression when they're growing up. Did you know that? And many times, if it's not caught, they become very depressed, function, um, poor-functioning adults. So it is a big issue, and it takes a devastating toll. And they're more susceptible to drugs and alcohol, because that is called a dual diagnosis. And when people are feeling really miserable, 
They want to cover it up, and so alcohol looks better to them. They don't just drink socially, they drink to feel better, and it may be that they will use drugs to feel better. And so you want to really get some help. If you need help, who do you go to? Where do you start? Well, parent is a good one, and the parent should take them where? The family physician is, a, is usually your like, avenue of where you can find some resources. Now, are all family physicians always good and on it? Like, if you know you need help, go for it. And on the Internet, there's all kinds of tests and things that can show you that you have an issue. It's really good for you to just get that person some help. What if people have um, a divorce in their family or they get in a major accident or the parent dies? You know, all those children sometimes need someone to talk to and they don't want to talk to the remaining parents so that they make them feel bad. So they often will keep it all inside. So finding somebody, and it may not be a counselor, it may be that you want to talk, have them talk to an adult that they really um, think a lot of. On the Michigan website, MISDA.org, everybody heard of it, the Michigan Conference website? It's Michigan SDA, M-I-S-D-A dot org. You go to the ministerial department where I work part-time, and you scroll down past all the pictures, and then you will see Christian counselors. And I have um, worked really hard to come up with a number of counselors all around Michigan by county and I've talked to them all on the phone. I can't tell you that they're all great. I can only tell you that all of them have said that they've either worked with Adventists or that they, um, they are very supportive and respectful of Adventists and some have found some real wonderful therapists by going to that directory. If you ever find somebody who's not, I will be happy to take them right off the list. There are some Adventists on that directory. We just have very few Adventist therapists in Michigan. So just want you to know about that. Girls have twice the depression rate of males. Adolescent girls tend to dwell on problems such as popularity, appearance, family issues more than boys, and keeps girls depressed longer and more seriously. Well, I, I think that when somebody's really depressed, I think that we have little rote things that we say and we go, well, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and don't be so down and why don't you smile more? And I'm like, it doesn't help. They, if they seriously are clinically depressed, they really need a strong intervention. It needs to be consistent and persistent. You want to get them out. I mean, your responsibility as parents and grandparents is to see that they function so that someday that they're functioning well and they can take care of themselves. And so you want to be progressive to get some help. So resources is good, but also um, there was a young girl who was very depressed, and her divorced father came right to the hospital where her mother had her in the ER, and he said, you know, this is ridiculous. You're putting us all through a lot of stuff. You know, you need to stop. You need to buck up. You know, none of us go around just being depressed, and I'm sure it did not help. So she ended up in the hospital. And I guess that one of the issues that I was identified was that it was her father's issues and how she dealt with her father. <laughs> like, we need to not have an attitude of judgment. These people are really hurting. So, And we don't want to sit there and go, oh, you poor girl, I don't know if you can ever get through it, or you poor boy. Like, you want to just say, you know, I see you're really having a problem. I'm really glad that you're going to get help, and I hope that you'll talk to them about what's going on. Many times it's our thinking that's really adding to it, right? The all or nothing. If everything isn't perfect, then I'm going to be miserable. And if, or the um, anxiety, the biggest thought for anxiety is, what am I going to do? What's the worst case scenario? What could go wrong? And it's like we can get ourselves really fired up. Mothers do that too, don't they? And fathers. Proverbs 13:20 says, "He who walks with the wise grows wise." We want to give our kids good role models out there. I love going out there and interviewing the kids and saying, so what did you like about camp meeting? Oh, I loved Pastor Taylor. He was talking about dating, and it really connected with me. Oh, I love Pastor Ackenberger. He was out there playing with us, and I just thought it was so cool how even when he got hit by the ball, he didn't get mad. And, you know, I'm just like, isn't that wonderful? Or, you know, I was looking down, and, you know, Pastor... 
um, LaRue came over to find out what I was doing and he's so nice to me and I just like don't we want to have them around great people did you have people around you as you were growing up that you really admired and it was somebody you really wanted to be like someday or you wanted to do the same thing that they do like let's make sure that we surround them with good people and let's our church families let's make sure that we're responding well to our children out there and we're congratulating while well, congratulating them encouraging them um, I have talked about it before I don't want to be repetitive but I had a church that was encouraging to me I felt when I went to Academy that I better make them really proud they told me I know the Lord's got a plan for you I know that you know you're gonna be a good little girl and make your parents proud out there at that Academy so when I was about to get in trouble I really couldn't get that out of my mind and I didn't do what they were gonna ask me to do and um, I had people who who told me I had a, um, a pastor who asked me to do week of prayer and I was scared to death I'm like I could never get up and talk in front of people and he said oh yes you can talk in the classroom all the time and I know you can channel that energy into talking to people and you can say something useful too yeah thank you Jim Ayers right remember he was one of my assistant pastors he was a great person we need to encourage kids that we see a plan for them most people take too passive of a role when it comes to their children being bullied or when their kids are not socially um, adept at things or they're not communicating well and they just don't do anything and I'm like we need to be progressive and get them help and we need to help encourage them and, and treat them, um, teach them skills. I, I also think that kids who aren't on time for things have a disadvantage because other kids already know things and then they come out of the loop and then they look really foolish like we need to get them on time to places give your child a heads up when there's a stressful or anxiety producing event coming up um, can I say that parents sometimes do TMI too much information subjects are always better than all the details but saying, you know, you're going to see somebody that, you know, has made you uncomfortable, they're going to be out there, but you can just be with me if that makes you feel better and comfortable. Or, or you know, I, I, I saw that lady yell at you, and I'm really sorry. I know that what you did wasn't a good thing, but, you know, hopefully she, you can just understand that she has a problem with her anger, and hopefully you guys can be friends later on. Or, what you know, like give them some feedback and some help. If your kid's having emotional problems, be progressive and get them help. Work on the house together. Instead of having them do chores by themselves, do it together. My daughter and I used to, did you ever have these little phonographs, some of you that are older, when you were little and you played? I had one that was called Whistle When You Work. So I didn't have a phonograph when my daughter was raised, but when we were dusting, we'd put on music about, you know, whistling while we worked or, or you know, when we all work together the happier we'll be we had all these little silly songs and it made it go really fast and she kind of really enjoyed that sometimes I would make her stop and I'd say smell the house and she'd go smell it I'm like yeah smell it she'd say oh it smells like lemon I'm like that is a clean house with lemon in it yeah that's really good I don't know if she's still using lemon today. I never smelled it at her house, but I know she enjoyed it when we were little, right? Um, don't let social media rob your child from connecting with the family. We talked about that on Monday, that there are so many people that are doing unrestricted time on that technology. It makes them the king of their technology. It makes them have an attitude when it comes to the family. They don't really want to participate. They don't want to be interrupted. They don't want to um, do things with their parents. They are being impacted by who's talking to them on that social media. It's a fantasy thing. It's not normal. And in a nutshell, when they get older, they have a harder time with relationships. They have more problems with depression because they can't get a job, and they have a harder time with um, marriages, etc. And it, it also sets them up for substance abuse because they are just not coping with life. So that's in a nutshell. That was like, that was like your one-minute version of Monday. Take a walk. Families need to take a walk or go for bike rides. Serotonin pumps through our brain. 
we're having a relaxing time, we're talking and enjoying each other, we're getting away from the house, we're, we need to watch what our conversation is, make sure you're having positive time with your kids and not just critical and judgment times when you're having to train them. Allow them ownership, give them choices. So they're giving you a fight and they're going, no, I'm going to wear, I want to wear this. And you go, well, you can wear this or this. Which one will it be? Well, I want to wear this. And you go, okay, then I'll have to make the choice for you, right? Very important that we empower them to make choices. Learn a new skill together. You know, bring a chair home from Goodwill and redo it together. Or something like we do better when we have projects and sometimes that's how we learn. Grandpa may be out in the workshop and he's, you know, sawing something and that's a really good time for a boy to go out and watch or somebody's working on the car or mother's sewing or knitting. I could never pick up knitting. Could any of you? I was really good at making knots, but nothing that looked pretty. Okay, does that mean I was a naughty girl? No, I'm like, okay. So um, support the good things they like to do, like their Pathfinder investitures. We've talked about that. Eating together, I talked about that on Monday. They learn more skills and standards from their parents when they have three to four meals per week. That's better than any other thing that they do is eating together at the family table. Make it pleasant. Have a good time. Enjoy. Have everybody say what they're thankful for. Like make it a positive, uplifting time. <laughs> Encourage them to talk to God or write a little journal or, or make a big deal about prayer or have something where on Friday night worships you put things in that you're really thankful for and read them at Thanksgiving about all the things you were thankful for. Like keep your kids in gratitude. Make sure they don't have a chip on their shoulder. Make sure they're happy and that they are recognizing it. There are so many other things that you probably are all doing, so I want to endorse the good things that you're already doing when you're able to. But I also want you to say, you know, persistence is the key. Even if it didn't work last week, try it this week. Keep being progressive, being consistent, persistent. And um, if there's any questions that I can answer for you after our session, I'm happy to do that. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.